0: It is good to be here, New Life, Um, and a special welcome to those of you who are visiting us for the first time. So glad you are here on this first Sunday of Advent. My name is Sharon Swift. I'm the pastor of Connections and Equipping here at New Life, and uh, I will be in the lobby at the end of service and would love to shake your hand and greet you um, as you go about your day and get back out into the city. Um, And as I said, we're here for Advent. This is the first. Sunday of Advent. It's a period of about four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas Day and the celebration of Jesus's birth. And in that time as we uh, approach that celebration of his birthday, um, we actually take time as a church, and the church around the world does this, to um, to kind of enter into a season of waiting, Um, a season where we kind of imitate the waiting that was happening in the world as people, faithful people, we're anticipating a Messiah. We enter into that waiting and allow ourselves to be shaped and formed by waiting. And so we no longer wait for the appearance of Jesus. He has come into the world and he has shown that God is with us. He has been a revelation of who God is as we look at the life of Jesus. But we also celebrate an Advent, and Advent literally means coming. We also celebrate this idea that Jesus is always coming to us even now in our present reality he is with us that he comes to us and that he is present in the world with us walking alongside us but we also remember the next coming that he is returning to the world that he is not left with no intention of coming back but in fact he will return And he will set things right and take on his full and complete reign uh, as king and lord of this world. And so we also hold in Advent that reality that we are waiting for our king to come again. And so Advent is a special time. It's a time where we live out that reality and behold the mystery of living in that in-between time before Jesus returns. It's the same sort of thing that we will proclaim later when we take communion, that he has come and feasted with people on this earth in a specific time, in a specific place, that he is with us even as we take the elements and that he is coming again, and that we will feast with him when he returns. And so waiting is a unique and beautiful opportunity. And in a culture where we do not usually value waiting, um, Advent is a reminder that he is with us in the waiting and that Jesus is actually shaping and doing important work in us as his followers in that time of waiting. And so who are we becoming and who, who, what has God given us to offer the world in this time as we anticipate his arrival? Today, this week, we lit the candle of hope, hope. And we light this candle on this particular first week of Advent every year because we remind ourselves that God is with us in despair. We light the candle of hope because God is with us in despair. Now this hits home for me in particular because before I became a Christian in the time that I was not following Christ, a lot of times people came to me as Christians and talked about this hope and I had a really hard time hearing that message because so much of what they said felt really out of touch with my reality of despair. And so that's why I want to focus today on that truth, that he is with us even as we experience despair in this world. And so today we're going to look at Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, and we are going to talk about this hope that Jesus offers us. As I said for myself, um, there was a time before I knew Christ when that hope didn't feel real. And there were people that could encounter me in my despair, people of faith, Christian people who came alongside and showed me what it meant for God to be with me in despair and yet offer me hope. And so let's read Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2 together. Oh, I will read for you. You can read silently, okay? (laughs) But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish, In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we thank you that you you, Jesus have come into this world. That we not only have scripture to testify to who God is, but Jesus, we have your lived life experience. We have the testimony of those who walked alongside you and lived among you. And so Lord, would you bring that revelation to our heart today? Would we know this hope, this light that you offer us with such depth that we can confront a world that is surrounded by despair? Speak to us today, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. 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 I want to give a little context here to this passage in Isaiah um, before we really dig in because Isaiah is a complex book. Um, there's actually a lot that can be said about it. Um, it's not the easiest book to tackle. Um, but what I can tell you as a, just a very brief understanding of it is that these writings were compiled um, by, uh, on behalf of the prophet Isaiah um, over many, many years. And it was over the time in which Israel was conquered and oppressed by foreign powers. And then, uh, you know, calling them into the, uh, making them aware of the fact that they would be a conquered people. And then also comforting them in a time of exile when they were actually taken uh, into foreign lands and oppressed by foreign powers. And so Isaiah here is particularly writing in chapter nine when the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel splits and the northern kingdom is already conquered at this point. And so these are the regions he's referring to. Zebulun and Naphtali are already conquered places in the northern kingdom. They have fallen to the enemy and the people have been scattered. And he is writing from Jerusalem and, talking about the future and the future hope now there are hundreds of years of uh interpretations of this passage before we see it apply to jesus and that can be a fascinating journey it's really a a really interesting study but i do want to talk about where matthew in the gospel of matthew takes it but before i do i want to make a note here because we see here this light and darkness imagery and um, we see that throughout the Bible, light and dark as a metaphor and as image that's used to communicate certain truths about God. And I want to make a note here, especially because we are Christians in the United States, that in the recent centuries, about you know, the last few hundred years, there's been a misapplication of these kinds of passages of light and darkness, where it's been applied to people Um, in ways that have allowed oppression to exist and injustice to be perpetuated. And so we've seen in our country specifically, but also all around the world, that this kind of theology was built where light and dark was applied to people and their complexions and their skin tone. And so people who were seen as light were seen as more righteous or better, and those who were in darkness, that also applied to their skin tone. Um, and so we just wanna name that. I wanna just name that that was a misapplication of this, these passages and passages like this, this one, because even though we may think, oh, it's you know, 2023, that's been debunked you know, a long time ago, but the reality is that kind of teaching can still subtly uh, be around and sometimes not so subtly be around in Christian circles and influence uh, our history. And so I want to just name that, that that's a misapplication of this kind of passage so that you have an awareness of it as you encounter it. But the reality is this is not talking about colorism or racism. This was never in Isaiah's mind when he brought this up. What is he saying here? He is saying that in places that have been conquered, where there is despair and destruction and violence, where there has been no peace, he is saying that a light is rising that God has not forgotten those places and his promise is that light will arise in the darkness there. It's light and darkness as a metaphor for hope and despair. And that's what he is pointing at. And Matthew is the one who brings this into the New Testament and applies it to Jesus' life as a messianic promise, as the coming king who fulfills this. And so if we look at Matthew 4, we see that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus begins the bulk of his preaching ministry. He actually goes into the Sermon on the Mount after this by withdrawing to this place that was Uh, spoken about by Isaiah, a place still impacted by the events in Isaiah, still impacted by being conquered and by being scattered. This is still a place that is uh, holding the fallout from that violence and from that historic event, 800 plus years later. This is still a region where uh, Jewish faith practices are not the norm. 800 years later, a place where despair has shaped the history and the culture of the place. And here, Matthew is saying that by Jesus arriving there and beginning his preaching ministry there, light is beginning to rise in this dark place, that the light and the promise of the God is coming and has come. And so, what does this mean for us? This means that Jesus offers us a hope that accounts for the despair of this world. Jesus offers us a hope that accounts for the despair of this world. It means that God is with us in all the despair that we face day to day in our lives. He is with us in the midst of oppression and injustice. He is with us when we get that diagnosis that we've been dreading. He is with us when we watch family members struggle, when we have to care for aging parents, when we struggle to see what the future is going to hold for us. He is with us when everything seems lost and the darkness is winning. He is with us. That is God with us. There is real hope that Jesus is offering that does not bypass or skip over the despair of this world. Because so many times, that's what we want to shortcut Jesus into, is to make him into something and make the hope he offers into something that allows us to bypass the discomfort of the ugliness of this world. That his hope allows us to just skip over the really difficult things, to turn away from them. But actually, Jesus is not offering that. I often, I was trying to think of how I could describe that kind of cheap and flimsy hope that sometimes we want Jesus and think Jesus is offering us. I think of it like cotton candy. I i do love cotton candy, I gotta tell you. It's good, it's yummy. It's also totally not good for you. Um, it's truly the worst. <laughs> but it's delicious and delightful. I mean, if you haven't had cotton candy, it's, literally pure sugar, okay, like no other ingredients, it's just sugar, and it's spun and heated up in such a way that it's almost like a cloud of sugar, okay, and you know, you just kind of, it looks big like this, but let me tell you, that's only a few bites, you know, many tablespoons of sugar, but only a few bites. Um, you, As soon as you put it on your mouth, it just disintegrates. I mean, it, it can't It has no substance of itself, you know? uh, There was one time I was trying to eat candy, um, cotton candy in the rain, and it's like as soon as even the rain touches it, it's like, I know, I have a problem, I have a problem, I know, Um, but this is the reality, right? Cotton candy, it's fluff, it has no substance. It offers you a moment of delight and maybe a few minutes of a sugar rush, and then it's gone. It's given you nothing to really sustain yourself. It's a delightful experience, but it actually gives you nothing. It offers you nothing. It looks like quite a lot, but it gives you nothing. It's wispy. It's gone quickly. It's just a memory, a pleasant memory, but it's a memory. You can't survive on cotton candy. I have learned that Uh, you can't you can't you know four-year-old me would have liked to try but you cannot survive on cotton candy it will not sustain you it will not give you what you need but many of us settle for a hope that's like that we settle even as followers of Christ for a hope that is like cotton candy that's just a little taste of something a little experience on a Sunday and then we go out into the world and we are overwhelmed, just like everyone else, by the despair and the darkness. And that is not the hope that Jesus offers you. He is not offering you a hope that is just a momentary experience to string you along but leaves you hungry in 10 minutes, like cotton candy hope. He is offering us a hope that is anchored in something real, in the real despair of this world, because he came and he walked in it with us. And he continues to walk in it with us. All we have to do is turn on the news and suddenly the despair is coming at us. I mean, this has been a really difficult season. You know, I thought maybe we got past some of the worst of the pandemic. You know, there are treatments now for COVID, There are protocols we know. But you turn on the news, and it's Congo, and it's the Sudan, and it's Gaza, that's globally. There's also the fact that now I heard a news report that they predict 2024 will be the next hottest year on record. We have all kinds of issues domestically as we approach the election. We're wondering who can lead us out of this division and out of this mess. As I said before, we're carrying our own personal things. I have heard from many of you as you're navigating um, the illness of loved ones, as you're trying to figure out how am I going to live in this apartment if my lease gets renewed at a much higher rate, there is so many reasons why it's hard to sustain real hope in this world. And I want to acknowledge that the despair that we feel, and some of us feel more and more acutely because of some of our life circumstances, is real. And that Jesus is not asking us to deny the darkness and the despair that we experience in the world. But instead, he is offering us something very, very real in his offer of hope. The good news is that in Christ, we can push back despair. That in Christ, we can push back despair. Jesus came to be with you in the despair. He is not God far away from us. He is not God detached from us. He is not God disconnected and disinterested in us. He is God with us. He didn't withdraw from the despair of this world he entered in and he took on flesh and he walked among us because that is how much he cares about the despair and the darkness of this world that is how much he is invested in walking with you in whatever you are facing right now the power of the incarnation of jesus is here and present and available to you He wants to walk with you in that. You don't need to conjure up some kind of pretend cotton candy fluffy hope out of nowhere. He will help sustain hope in you even when you are struggling to find it in yourself. That is the promise and the goodness of Jesus coming and of his return and the fact that he is with you right now, even in the despair. I, many of you know my story, I grew up in a home with domestic violence, it was a terrible way to grow up, and I did become a Christian because of that, those moments when, in those times of great despair and distress and disorientation, Christians came alongside me and walked with me and helped me to see that Jesus was with me. These were people who had themselves beheld the light of Jesus and were able to offer me that light and point me back to him. But what you may not know and what I don't often get to share is that actually the worst of the despair came after I started following Jesus. I genuinely was so thrilled to know who Jesus was as my savior when I first became a Christian. I mean, I had genuine hope and joy and peace, and I felt him with me. But the reality is about a year and a half later after my father's trial and after trying to make sense and ignore some of the pain of my past, I really thought, oh, Jesus saved me from that. I don't need to keep looking at that. I'm free from it, I'm delivered from it. I didn't wanna ever think about it again. But in fact, about a year and a half in, I was diagnosed with PTSD and depression, and I was really struggling to live into the hope that Jesus offers. I was really struggling to see why I had to feel such great despair if he was offering me hope. But here's the the truth of the incarnation, is that Jesus doesn't withdraw and snatch us away from the despair of this world. He enters into it with us, and that was his invitation to me in that season, was that he was going to walk with me through the despair, through the work of looking at my past, through the work of tears and prayers and depression. He walked with me through it. And it's one of the reasons I believe that the church can be an incredibly powerful force for a world in despair is because we have a hope that allows us to not turn away from the despair and the darkness of this world, but actually to look square at it, to sit with it, to sit with the people held captive by it. Through the grace and power of Jesus, we can be with those people And as people that have beheld and been transformed by that light, we can sit with others and bring that light to them and sit with them and point them back to the source of that light. We can be those people as followers of Christ. That's the invitation for each one of us is to sit so much with the light of the world, Jesus, to let him walk alongside us in our own pain so that we can now show up for others in despair and show them they will not be overcome by the darkness and that we have the courage in Jesus to face it with them. That is what a world caught in despair and darkness needs more than anything, that we can actually have that courage and that power through the incarnation of Jesus, that we can offer real hope and not just that cotton candy hope. And so part of that is how we show up for others. Part of that is how we show up in this world and be the church. There's an author named Alia Joy um, who wrote a book, and if you are in a season of despair, I highly recommend this book. It's called Glorious Weakness. And she wrote it specifically so that there would be a witness among Christian writings of those who are struggling and are caught in despair at at the current moment. They believe in the hope of Jesus, but they are in a season where they are walking with him in despair. And she talks about the hope that the church can provide those that are being swallowed up by the darkness. And she says to believe that the experiences we have are valid, that the feelings and expressions of them are true and real and worthy of being listened to, is one of the greatest mercies we can offer each other. This is the kind of hope that we are called to offer the world, that Jesus offers to us that we can receive and in turn offer to the world. This is the mercy of God. This is the thing that sustains hope. It's not just that we pile on and try to conjure up a false hope and sustain something with just cute sayings, but it's actually in the walking together that hope is sustained and fanned into flame and that it lights the world. Light is a fascinating thing, actually, when you think about it. Light doesn't have to fight to battle the darkness, does it? Light simply is, and darkness is not, because the light is. The light simply needs to rise or to grow in intensity And it will overcome all darkness. And that's the idea here in Isaiah. And the idea when Matthew quotes Isaiah and talks about Jesus is that this light is rising in the world. And we are the ones that continue to bring that light into this world. Have we beheld the light of Jesus so much so that we are transformed by it? That we ourselves are bringing that light of Jesus into the world, allowing it to grow in intensity in our own life as we confront our own despair and invite Jesus to walk with us in that despair. Is our own light growing in intensity? Is it rising within us so that eventually it lights up every dark space all around us? that it exposes the lies of the enemy, that we are powerless, that we have no agency, that we cannot impact this world. Where do you need that light right now in your life? Where do you need to invite Jesus to walk alongside you? As you face and behold the darkness of this world, where are you inviting him to show you his marvelous light? to allow it to transform you into that person of light, growing and growing in intensity. It's quite the image, you know, on Christmas Eve, when we gather for our two services, we will light candles, and it's a tradition we've done for many years, and churches actually have done for many, many years, where there starts with just one light, and Pastor Rich will light his light from the Christ light, And he will pass it to someone who will pass it to someone. And those two people will pass it to two other people and three other people. And the light will start filling the sanctuary. That's an image of the church and what we are called to be. We are called to be that light until Jesus returns. We are called to push back the darkness, to not give in and succumb not because we have conjured this silly kind of hope in, in, in us, but because we have been transformed by the light of Christ. And we know that in Him we have the power to push back the darkness, that we have a power to show up in this world and transform it and point people back to Jesus. There's a, um, a woman of faith who's a hero of mine. Um, Sojourner Truth, actually a New Yorker, interestingly enough, Um, but she was born into slavery, an enslaved person, and actually she was promised her freedom by her master, and then he um, kind of double-crossed her and would not actually give her her freedom. And so she took it. She actually just walked off and um, declared her freedom. And later, actually, she became the first black woman to sue a white man to gain her son's freedom because she couldn't leave with him at the time. And she actually successfully uh, sued and uh, was able to bring her son out of enslavement. But it was because she believed that the Lord had done something in her life and was setting her free to set others free. She She was an abolitionist and did much work to free others from enslavement. And this is something that she said that I've always loved. I will not allow my life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. The reality is the darkness seems very dark right now. I had a hard time preparing this word this week because there is so much darkness in the world. But here's the reality. The temptation is that we want to give in to that darkness, that we feel powerless and overwhelmed by it. But like Sojourner Truth, Jesus is saying our life's light is not determined by how dark it is out there. His life is, his light is, and therefore, if we carry it, the darkness is not. And we have agency in Christ to push back darkness in every corner that God sends us to. And it might be in small ways, and for some of you, he may be calling you to do that in big ways. But all of us have this light to carry, and all of us have a charge in Advent to carry that light into the dark places and to push back. And so is that the hope you have today? Is that the hope that you're carrying? Not a hope that pretends and wishes away the bad things, but a hope that has feet, prayers that have feet, that put to action what we have received in Christ. That's my prayer for each and every one of us today, and even as we take communion, that we proclaim at the communion table that Christ has come, that he is with us, and that he is coming back. And in this intermediate space, would you seek him and ask what he wants you to do with that light within you? What is it in this time of waiting for his return that he has called you to, to push back that darkness? to bring hope into this world. Let us each answer that call. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you have called us out of your darkness, sorry, out of the darkness into your glorious light. And you have done so with a purpose, Jesus. You have not done it just so that we alone might live in the light. But there are others who are struggling in the darkness. And so, Lord, would you send us, would you send us as carriers of the light, carriers of the hope for this world? Would you show each one of us where it is in the body of Christ that we are meant to serve? Where it is in this world of darkness and despair that we are meant to shine our light and to carry hope? Lord, would you allow us to take in, even now, your glorious light? Would you feed us with true hope that leaves us full, that sustains our faith, that actually grows and nourishes us so that we might be the light of this world in your name, that we might proclaim a true hope even even in times of great despair not denying the despair not skipping over it but to be able to be the people of god who look at it square and say you are not the end of this story the darkness will not prevail because the light of the world has come we will testify to that light for all Lord Jesus who are holding moments and seasons of despair right now who are struggling to understand and even know in their heart that this hope is available to them Lord would you draw them close to you now would they feel your embrace would they invite you in to that place of despair into that space of darkness and would you hold them close would you allow them to just lean on you in this time of despair would they even sense you holding them up right now as they lean on your shoulder and lord would you transform them so powerfully there that their light shines so bright that it changes the world. It's in Jesus' name we ask all these things.
1: Amen. 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 Let's stand and prepare for communion. And even as you think through um, that beautiful word that Pastor Sharon shared with us, let's take a moment to just look at where we might have given into despair over this week. Just think about the times where perhaps you weren't really seeing hope, but you were just allowing yourself to slip into that place. And then let's share our time of confession together. Amen. Let's share our prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in the newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. As Pastor Sharon shared, the communion table, it does represent both despair and hope because the Lord Jesus Christ was being betrayed and also he offers us the hope of himself through the communion table. So in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Brothers and sisters, let's take in the hope that Jesus has for all of us. And likewise, the cup, he said, this cup represents the New Testament in my blood, which has been shed for you. Whenever you eat the bread or you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So although there's darkness in the world, we recognize that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Let's take together.